the startup is not about you leading yourself, it's about growing that startup, growing that team. And the founder is there to kind of bring them up to speed and get them on board and put them in that position and create that ecosystem for them to thrive. That's Stephen Chen, co-founder and CEO of TreeSwift. TreeSwift builds robots that sense the world's most complex environments. Today, they operate in forests to monitor forest health, predict carbon capture, and improve overall forest management. We talk about the sandbox mentality, carrying your ideas over the valley of death, and never wanting to be the best person in the room. I'm Maureen Taylor, and this is Think Like a Founder. So now you started your career in finance, but then left to do a PhD in robotics. What possessed you? I call it my quarter life crisis. So I had studied economics and finance in undergrad. and I, I went to work at an options trading firm and I loved it. I think it's a great job, but a big part of me was interested in doing something else. And so I was really interested in technology. I was interested in building and creating things. And so that prompted me to see what else was out there. One piece of advice that people gave me, which I thought was extremely helpful, is they basically said, look at the most successful people in the fields that you're considering and not look at what they're doing, but look at their lifestyle, because that's kind of what you will end up reaching if you stay in that field. You can either make a lot of money, not make a lot of money, but the lifestyle in each field will be unique. For example, what your life is like being a professor is different than what your life is like if you're a CEO, which is different than what your life is like if you are you know, a trader. And so it really is looking at their life. And it, is that the type of life you want to live as opposed to some you know, specific piece? So it's really holistic. Based on that, it became pretty clear to me that I should make the switch. And so I, I decided to leave finance, start a master's and eventually a PhD and embark on a completely new field I had no experience in before. Is there anybody in particular that you looked at? I looked at a lot of people in finance. And what was really interesting to me were the people whose lifestyle I liked the most were actually the ones who founded the finance companies. There's just something about the fact that they had a vision to pursue something. They went through with it. They were able to create this company and provide these opportunities, explore things that I really liked. They had their vision for the world and they were seeing it through as opposed to seeing through someone else's vision. That was something that when I started doing this exercise made me realize that I want to be an entrepreneur. So the freedom of being able to pursue what you want and being in charge of it. It's not so much being a control freak, although there is a little bit of that. It is pursuing the dream or the ideal and having some sort of say in how it goes and the direction that it goes. What I liked about was that sandbox mentality of the world is out there. So I always compare, you know, the train tracks. So what you're doing, are there tracks laid out of which it's very clear what you do to reach success? Or is it a sandbox where no one actually knows what you're supposed to do? And that to me was when I saw it, you know, in some career paths, it's very much laid out. If you want to succeed, this is what you follow. And I call that train tracks laid out in front of you. And that's something that me personally, I didn't like. And I like that sandbox where like no one really knew what was correct. And whoever figured it out would figure it out. But it wasn't someone else who had said, this is how things should go. You've said that you like to explore different possibilities wherever you can. And that after studying robotics, you went on to actually found your company, TreeSwift. And this is all about gathering data to modernize forestry. 
How did you think that that was a place to start and focus on? It started in my PhD research, and basically what my research has been all about is the impact that robotics can have in helping us as the world gain a new, deeper understanding of the data in our world and our planet. How do we actually know what's happening everywhere? Really, a lot of my research is on building the systems, building the algorithms to access those places and process that information. And another piece of advice I got is you start a company when it's the best way for you to achieve what you want. And so in my research, I had pretty much seen that I was producing papers, giving talks, I was going to conferences, but I didn't actually see it leave the realm of robotics into the hands of the other communities of end users. So land managers, other researchers in forestry and ecology. It's something that mattered a lot to me that I saw my work having impact on these other communities. And it became clear that I couldn't see that happen just purely doing academic research. At the same time, I really couldn't see that happen at big industry because they have the problems they look at. So that's really what started FreeSwift and identifying clear problems and seeing how the research I was doing, what shape and form does it take to actually make it into the real world. You know, they call it crossing the valley of death, where a lot of ideas die. So crossing the valley of death, it goes from academic labs into the real world. And that crossing is very challenging to do. And that's the role of an innovator or an entrepreneur. Did your parents know when you were a little kid that you're as smart, creative, and original as you are turning out to be? I think I surprised my parents a lot. I've gone through a bunch of different things I've wanted to do. But there's a period where I was studying Arabic and my parents were kind of intrigued and not really seeing where it came from. But I was able to get these scholarships to go and do a summer abroad and really get exposed to a whole different world, but also different career opportunities that I hadn't seen before. So they were surprised by that. And then when I decided to go into finance, they were also similarly surprised. And then finally, when I decided to do robotics at that point, they were like, okay, you know, Stephen can just do whatever he wants. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> crack up. One of the attributes of being a founder is that you're always a student. Even Socrates said the student is the teacher and the teacher is the student. But always have your mind open to learn new things seems to be a characteristic that founders have. Do you agree? And is it part of your life? I think one thing that I really embrace is that there's a lot of uncertainty and things that you don't know about the world. And what the future holds is not clear to anyone. People can say they know, but there's a lot of different futures out there. And because of that, to be a successful founder, there is a focus, but there needs to be a nimbleness to it also. So as you see things progress, as you see things change, as your own personal interests change, it's a balance between that focus on whatever your goal is and then the ability to adapt, learn new things to achieve that goal. And so it could be things where you learn either new technical skill sets because you need to learn them, or it could be things where you learn management skills or communication skills because you have to learn that. But ultimately, there is a goal you want to achieve, and there are things that has to happen to reach that goal. And the ability to figure out what you have to learn and enthusiasm to learn it, I think, is something that I've seen in a lot of different founders and something that I really believe in myself. There's this thing called the curse of experience because it is great to get experience, but then there's the curse of it keeps you in the box. But I think the more experience you get, the more disciplined you have to be about yeah. always staying a student and certainly not spreading your experience 
as if it's the truth. When I first started at Penn in robotics, I didn't know anything about robotics. I was just learning and I got put on this project where I was essentially tracking cells for one of the research groups. And one of the research scientists there was mentoring me and I had brought in some results I had just gotten where I was able to track some of these cells through these microscopic images. And I was so excited. And he basically turned to me and he said that he was very jealous of my naivety. And he said, that's something that you just don't get back. And at the time, I didn't quite understand what he meant. I was like, I just want to know more. I want to learn more. But then as I progressed through the PhD, it became something where in a research project, I would look at it and be like, I know how to do this. This is how I would do it. And I realized what he meant because there is something about learning about the first time and just seeing how much you're learning, how much you're progressing and discovering unknowns and things that might be really commonplace and ordinary for other people who have done it before, but it's completely new to you. That excitement there is what you lose. You get it the first time you learn something, but once you know it, you will never get that back. And being naive was something that he was jealous of. And now I really see and understand what he meant. It is a curse. And it's mental discipline to turn that around and a constant effort. Now, building the right team, because people are important, you want to surround yourself with folks that will help you grow. And it's a constant process. And as your company grows and the needs change, how do you go about being consistent with finding the right people? So finding the right people is one of the most difficult parts because ultimately it is one of the most critical parts. So when I think about a startup, it really is a group of individuals who get together and are very focused on solving some problem. It is that group of individuals of assembling and finding them, convincing them that this is what they should do instead of other opportunities, and then kind of motivating and figuring out how to then achieve that problem. I think one theme that you'll hear me say is I don't really believe in templates. I think when I look at people who do well in early stage startups and people I want to work with early on, they tend to be generalists because, as I said, like no one really knows what the future holds. And you really want people who can adapt and grow with you as opposed to people who are super specialized in one thing, so specialized that it almost limits their ability to start fresh and, and do something else. So I think having other people who have that similar mindset, almost other founders, for example, is important early on to be able to do that because it allows your team to be nimble and to adapt as you get more evidence about whether what you're building is impactful and valuable or whether you should be pivoting. So oftentimes being a leader is uncharted territory for founders, as you've said. Just thinking about leading, I mean, being the person who's in charge and leading is where you don't have to turn around and you feel that they are at your back and helping this thing move forward. That's a constant journey. So tell mm -hmm. us about when you figured out that you're a leader. Similarly, I think this is a very organic process. I think the first step is the understanding and realization of how important leadership is in all parts of life, but especially at a startup. Because as I said, a startup is really a group of individuals who are trying to solve a very difficult problem or any problem. And so really leadership is critical to assemble that group. It's not you as an individual solving a problem. It's a group of people that are solving a problem that hope to grow and expand. I think the second thing is understanding that you never want to be the best person in the room. And it really is about getting everyone else to become better than you at whatever it is. Because if you are the best person in the room at all these different things, 
then you are solving all the problems yourself and your company or organization grows at the pace of an individual. And that's very limiting for a startup. The startup is not about you leading yourself, it's about growing that startup, growing that team. And so you really want to be able to get the people who join on, on board immediately, taking ownership, gaining skills, being in that position where they realize that they are the people driving the company forward, not necessarily the founder. And the founder is there to kind of bring them up to speed and get them on board and put them in that position and create that ecosystem for them to thrive. And it's only when you actually master and can do that can your company grow exponentially mm -hmm. because you are now growing at the pace of which you can add people as opposed to the pace of the individual. Is it lonely? It is lonely if you do it yourself. But the great thing about a startup is you can find other co-founders. And I think for me, I've been really happy with the co-founders and the founding team I found. I think each person is excellent, amazing, some of the best. So, so for me, it was a long process finding co-founders, and I was really picky about it. But I think finding really strong co-founders, a really strong founding team is really critical. I think finding a diverse set is really critical. People who share the same values, visions, beliefs. And so when you do that, it's not lonely because it becomes a sense of the group of you trying to forge something in the world as opposed to a specific person. That being said, I think everyone works differently. So that is what worked for me. I pretty quickly realized that I like working in groups and not working by myself. I think there's excitement that happens. I, I think it's more than a sum. It's, it's not just three or four people. It, it's more than that when you work together. It makes it more exciting, more fun than doing it yourself. But there are a lot of successful founders, entrepreneurs, people who work very well alone. And if that's how you work, I think that's the way that you should go about doing it. There's somebody sitting out there enjoying listening to you, getting inspired by you. They still might be a little nervous or might not know where to start. What advice do you give them? My biggest piece of advice and, and one that I always remind myself of is entrepreneurship is a very personal experience and it should be that way. I think a lot of times there is a tendency to see other successful people and see what they do and try to copy them or compare yourself to that. But I think it's very limiting because you'll basically end up having a bunch of copycats or companies that look very similar to each other. And there's something about individuals who have their own perspective, experience, really staying true to that and, and pushing forward as opposed to trying to mimic someone who has been successful in the past. Going back to my academic background, one advice I got from someone else, another mentor, was actually when reading papers, he said that what he liked to do was he would like to read the problem of what the paper is solving and then put that paper away. Because he said that if he read the solution, then his thinking would be shaped and biased towards what has been already done as opposed to what could be done. And so I think that's really important is like everyone has a unique perspective, it's valuable. And realizing that value of that is important because it's good to not necessarily copy what has been done but actually figure out your own perspective because that can actually create something unique and valuable that no one else in the world can see. And ultimately, when I think about a startup, you're trying to do something that no one else in the world is doing. And so if you're trying to copy what someone else has done, you're probably not doing that. Understanding that balance is really critical. That was Stephen Chen, co-founder and CEO of TreeSwift. TreeSwift provides stakeholders with detailed data by building robots that sense the world's most complex environments. Next time on Think Like a Founder, we talk to Nancy Connery, founder and CEO of Connery Consulting and OpenComp. I'm Maureen Taylor. Thanks for listening. 
Think Like a Founder is produced by SNP Communications in San Francisco, California. Learn more by visiting us at snpnet.com or connect with me, Maureen Taylor, on LinkedIn to continue the conversation there. Series producer is Roisin Hunt, sound design by Mark Reem. Content and scripting by Mike Sullivan and Jason Drown. Production coordinator is Natasha Thomas. Thanks also to Selena Persiani-Shell, Eli Shell, Matt Johnson, John Hughes, and Ren Vera. 